0: This is a quick disclaimer. Although the wise investor is trying to educate people on personal finance, what we talk about on the show is not actually financial advice for your personal and unique situation. Before trying to do anything with your money, always consult a professional. Hey, this is Anthony. And I'm Sal. And you're listening to the Wise Investor Podcast, where we help Canadians become more financially literate, one post at a time. This is What They Did Not Teach You in School. Hello, 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 and welcome to this week's episode of What They Did Not Teach You in School. Today, we got the usual Alfio fodi behind the camera. Thank you so much. And we actually have a special guest, Natalie Festa good friend of mine for how long now have we known each other? Oh boy, I was in like close to five years. Yeah, legit. Today we're going to be talking a little bit about the entrepreneur's journey and people kind of have this, I don't know what it is, uh, glorification of entrepreneurship nowadays especially because people on Instagram and social media are flexing their traveling and working remotely and their. Lamborghinis and stuff like that. And we're going to try and debunk some of those myths today. Natalie can definitely talk to to us about the triumphs and failures uh, associated with going through the entrepreneurship, you know, scale of mastery. And we're also going to be talking about how to start your own business, because a lot of people reach out to me and they're like, Anthony, when should I incorporate? How do I take money when I'm a business owner? Do I take it in salary or dividends? And Natalie is an accountant by trade and therefore hopefully she'll be able to shed some light on that hopefully before we get started just want to thank our sponsors king street media for doing all of our audio and video work for our social media platforms if you need any help with building your own online presence be sure to check out king street media on instagram all right so let's dive right into it and we have about half an hour here um When I first met Natalie, it was because she was one of the first people on LinkedIn that were aggressively connecting with people and posting. Do you remember that?
1: I absolutely do remember that. It was
0: actually back when uh, LinkedIn showed how many people were getting connected and stuff like that. So every time I'd sign on to LinkedIn, I would see Natalie Festa just connected with 50 people. And I was like,
1: do they not show that anymore?
0: that no it doesn't do that anymore they got rid of that but yeah. that actually motivated me to go and get like 50 connections because i oh, had to try and so beat
1: nice. you i didn't know about that
0: that is how i first <laughs> little noticed competition you little in, healthy yeah, competition exactly. before we even knew each other then i uh dm'd you and i was like hey love the kind of stuff that you were working on because at the time you were working with um were you Intend? did were I you was, working with tanzania companies yet
1: i was i was working on projects that led me there Okay. So, yeah, with the whole fair and square thing mm-hmm. uh, project, which we'll get into. Yeah, and for sure. I remember sure. you uh, were interested in that. And then we had that connection and we both worked at the same TD location, which was yeah. just another Yeah,
0: you were there before me and then I right. moved right when you left. Right. Yeah, small world. So
1: we're meant to cross paths.
0: And then we just kind of kept in touch ever since. And I've learned a lot from you, especially… Uh, Likewise.
1: It's been an absolute pleasure learning from each other and… Over some good meals and some good drinks, we always seem to have uh, something to share. A hundred
0: percent. So, for the people that don't know who you are, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? What has brought you to being in this room with me today? A little bit about your background and where you uh, where you work and stuff like that. Go ahead.
1: Um. So the question about yeah, who you are and what you do is always a fascinating one. But I like to start the story with, um, I was a once CPA, CA, um, and like every Auditor at one point decided I needed to make my mark on the world, so left that journey behind. What
0: made you uh, become uh, like go into accounting? Okay. Were you interested in that at all, or or was it because your parents made you do it? Yeah,
1: I wouldn't <laughs> use the word interest to be honest. Yeah. I, I would say, like, in my late teens, I was like a pretty mature late teenager, and so I was like, Yeah, like being a CPA, CAA at the time seems like a good career path. So I said It
0: is, it does lead to lots of opportunities. Op-
1: Absolutely. And it has been an amazing launchpad for me. Mm-hmm. And I'll talk about my ads with them now. Like, I'm one of their ambassadors. So, it's pretty cool.
0: I see those. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, yeah. In high school, like, I knew I wanted to study business. And then in business school, they kind of lead you. They kind of tell you that being a CPA is, like, the best thing in the world. Yeah. So, it kind of just led me down that path. And I followed it. I was lucky to get an internship. One of the earliest ones that she like, actually second year. Most internships happen after third. Okay. So then I was working at KPMG, and they glorify that using the word glorification of entrepreneurship. There was glorification of accounting as well.
0: Mm-hmm. I feel like everyone that I t- we do a, we take on a lot of co-ops every single semester, yes. like high school co-ops, yeah. and all of the finance people that we take on all want to be accountants or lawyers because yeah. I feel like in high school that's all they really tell you exists, you know. Right. And of even course. in university, some of the jobs that I see out there now. I didn't even know existed five years ago when I graduated. Totally.
1: So, So, yeah. Uh, university, yeah, I decided to focus on my accounting. However, I did take a semester abroad to France and had to put all my accounting courses on hold mm-hmm. because I couldn't do those abroad. And I did what have did a, an study? inflection point of should I continue with this accounting path, mm. um, especially going abroad. And You know, it opens your eyes to different right. things in the world. Um, I just studied general business. I actually took some law courses, international law. Okay. In France, and it kind of—I had this inflection point. Like, should I continue with it or should I not? But the safer side of me, I guess, decided to continue with it because you once you start something, you should should finish it. I guess I am a believer in that. I guess
0: that is true. Would you consider yourself a conservative person?
1: I—it's funny. I would. It depends. It depends who else is in the room. Um, oh, I have that's a, true. I have a It is relative. Con- it's so relative. I have a pretty. Con- I have a conservative side of me. I like to. Someone once described me as someone. Like a type B action with like a type A personality. It's so like it's a pretty good mix, hmm. Hmm. I would say. Okay. But as we talk a little bit about the rest of my career choices, you might not think I'm conservative.
0: Definitely. I would not peg you as that.
1: So yeah, I would not, I would not peg myself. I would not describe myself as conservative. I definitely had a conservative side of me and mm-hmm. some parts of me are, but not, not usually.
0: Okay, fair enough. So what did you do after you graduated? Did you know what you wanted to do with the rest of your life, like they tell you in school?
1: <laughs> Absolutely not. I knew, I pretty much, I continue to look at myself and my career like a few years ahead. I'm, I've never been like a super long-term planner. Right. Are you?
0: Uh, it's tough. When I when I was younger, I was I was like, this is where I'm going to be when I'm 25, and this is where I'm going to be when I'm 30, because yeah. you think the path is so linear.
1: I would think and then
0: you get into the real world, and it's like, I, what's the point of planning five years ahead? Nothing ever goes according to plan. I would say plan. the
1: same. Yeah, with time, I've become less of a planner. So, in university and starting at KPMG, I was like, okay, yeah, I had like, but I always knew that it wasn't gonna that wasn't gonna be my job forever. Hmm. So I guess I kind of preset this limited career path. In chunks or chapters from the get go, okay. And I think that's a really—it's helped me to take bigger chances because I look at these choices as chapters. Mm -hmm. So, like, okay, this KPMG is my chapter, and like once I got my hours and my exams passed, and you finally got
0: those letters,
1: got those glorified letters, yeah. Um, the chapter was done.
0: Did you? Did you? uh, Is that when you went to Tanzania after that? Yeah. Okay. What made you do that? Tell us a little bit about that. Because that is, in my opinion, crazy, but super cool. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, again, looking at life in chapters, I, yeah. had, I had a friend, a colleague at KPMG, actually, dear friend of mine, staff that was going to Tanzania mm-hmm. um, previously to my journey there. Um, and I was just following along her trip. And same thing, I was looking at her with, like, eyes of awe, what this is incredible. Like what are you doing? You're crazy, but brilliant. Mm-hmm. So I was following along on a trip and like admiring her journey. And one day she messaged me. I'll never forget this day. It was like November, 2017. Okay. Sorry. November 17, 2016.
0: Remember and the she, exact day. Oh yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. And she messaged me and she was like, I had just bought a purse from these group of ladies. Um, there, it's an amazing bag. She's showing me photos, like highly made, high quality made bag. And she had mentioned to me that they were looking for someone to help them join like their business development team, someone from Canada or North America, U.S., um, that they wanted to help. Yeah, yeah. No. She's like, I think it should be you. And I was, I was enamored. I was like, this is insane. Like, It needs to be me, yes. <laughs> and so she put me in touch with their board, and I did a whole bunch of Skype interviews, um, and I decided that like this was going to be my next chapter. Cool. I just closed like the CPA book, got the letters, I was looking for another challenge to take on uh-huh. and like this world of developing nations and business in that world specifically was going to be my chapter
0: and i just found out that tanzania is on the east coast of africa Correct. which is pretty uh far away what your parents yeah, think about away. you telling them that you're going to move there
1: <laughs> yeah they were the whole family parents were a little a little scared as they should be i, yeah, I was maybe. i was definitely scared myself too yeah but i think they took solace in knowing that One of my good friends, Steph, was just there. My mom knows Steph and her parents pretty well. So Mm -hmm. we had like a sit-down chat, like tea breakfast one morning, and like my mom was drilling them with questions. So True. (sighs) Um, How
0: long were you supposed to go there for originally? Four months. And what did you do? Four months, was, and
1: then I ended up being six months. I extended it.
0: Wow! So, what, what, first, what did you do there? Like, what was the whole what was the whole mission? What was the company? So Who'd you work was, with?
1: I would, the mission was to work with this group of ladies um, for a company that they had co started. Mm-hmm. It's called Kali. And in Swahili. The word Cowley means voice. So, the whole mission of the company was to use the skills of these women to help them find their voice and use their voice. Mm-hmm. So, the company was it's like a co op. It was actually started by a man in the U S, but um, all the profits were redirected to these 11 women in Tanzania. Okay. Um, he had gone back to the States and he's the one who's on the board now. And he was the one who was interviewing me to take, to make sure that I was like the right fit to take on this role for them.
0: They all speak English there? No. Well.
1: One of them, one and a half. One of them spoke fluent English. One of them spoke a little bit of English. Okay. So it was all Swahili. Um, except Glory and Rasmary. they spoke a bit of English, so they were my translators. Um, and I took it upon—it was really funny. So every Friday, I had—I started this little initiative called like Fun Learning Fridays, and I would teach them a different accounting, finance, or business scale every Friday. Hmm. But have to be through translation. I would teach in English, Glory and would, someone translate would translate, translate for
0: you. Media. Wow. Okay.
1: Um, but numbers are universal, so we did like income statements <laughs> and things like that on the board.
0: It's a beautiful thing, math. It hey,
1: is is beautiful.
0: Okay, and what made you end it? What made you come back?
1: Um, I knew again, looking at life and experiences in chapters, I knew that this would be a chapter. Um, I wouldn't want to I knew I didn't want to live in Tanzania forever. It's a developing <laughs> what was it country. like? What was it it's really like? like where'd you,
0: where you sleep and live? Like,
1: I actually lived with two other Canadians and like were great friends of mine still to this day that I met through staff. Yeah. Um, we had a house. I mean it what's not like a house here. It's like a ceramic walled. Oh, ceramic is that the word okay like, i don't even know okay where it is like ceramic a, a, what's it called i don't know stucco. Stucco is it? there you go yeah yeah a ceramic floors stucco walls okay um so it's like like a like an exotic house like it's the climate is really hot mm-hmm. um showers were interesting beds there's there's those bug nets from the ceiling down it's pretty different it's like mosquitoes carry malaria there you have to either take malaria drugs or True. Really ensure you don't get bit. Um, different different cultural experiences, even like day-to-day things. You can't carry your... We, we tax and walk all the time across the street. Mm-hmm. You'll get robbed if you do that there. In your pocket, in your bag. Hmm. Even things like you can't carry your bag on the side that the road is because people on motorcycles we'll habitually grab, it. grab your bag. Wow. So it's on the other side. Just like things that become subconscious that we don't think of. Hmm. But that luckily, we take for granted here uh, in Toronto, so for eh? granted,
0: What's one of the big, like, what's the biggest thing that you've learned, that you learned through that experience, would you say?
1: Hmm, it's, there's so many things. One of the biggest things I learned that experience, actually, like, on the, on the business side, is, like, I was blind to the fact that there's still countries and people in 2017 at the time, in today's day and age, that don't transact with, Like, electronically, the way we do. I just assumed everyone had a Visa card or a bank card. Mm -hmm. But, like, transactions are very primitive in a lot of places still.
0: That's a big thing, especially in, like, Africa. Like, even their banking system is not as uh, sophisticated as ours that we take for granted. Like, one thing that uh, I noticed when I went to visit my uncle in uh, Yugoslavia, like, old Yugoslavia. It's called Herzegovia now. It's, like, um, Serbia. And um, we were driving, and there's half-built houses. And I was like you know oh why don't they just finish that house like what's the point of just building the walls of the top floor and without finishing it you know exactly. and he's like well you can't just go to a bank and get a mortgage here like you would in Canada where you can go and on a million dollar house they're going to give you 800,000 and you only need 200,000 down you know here it's like 20 30% mortgage rate so people just build rooms at a time when they have the money and resources so that's, that's one of the biggest things and then also there's like I forget what the guy's name is now, something Eunice. He's like uh, this like Indian guy who created micro banking or micro um, loans, micro loans, yeah. micro loans inside loans. In, yeah. in these like developing nations that yeah. don't have modern banking, you know? So that's yeah, like that's a big a really opportunity cool there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and it's actually, not like people
0: use cash, do they?
1: Y- there's some cash, but like M-Pesa is one of the tools that they use in Tanzania. It's SMS-based financing. Yeah, like very e-transfers. interesting. Um, but it's not on the internet because the internet's not reliable. Hmm. Um, it can be cut anytime. So it's SMS-based and there are some pretty cool developments happening there. Um, there's a company called Nala and I know one of the guys, do do? the founders, he's a uh, Stanford MBA grad but from Tanzania and he's really focusing on improving the infrastructure for financing in Tanzania hmm. using SMS-based technology which is like really, sounds primitive to us but it's, right. it's a really big um, development them,
0: hmm. which is cool. exciting. All right. Um, after you left Tanzania, you came back to Toronto. Correct. Enjoy, so enjoyed some life. Um, what made you start Borrow? Is it Borrow It or Borrow? I keep forgetting. Yeah,
1: let's call it Borrow.
0: Okay. Well, yeah. Made- on
1: Instagram, it's Borrow It because... It needs to be more catchy and, like, domain, domain names on Instagram are few and far between.
0: Yeah, yeah. Borrow it. I like it. It kind so, of make, gives it more of a, gives it more I of really a, like you sure. know, you know what the name is to, like, borrow it. You can kind of determine what it does. It's like an action, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I feel so, like that's a Chris Kundari thing. Who named it? Who decided to go there with was, that?
1: There was like three options left on Instagram, but we could have named it because Borrow itself wasn't there. Yeah. And yeah, we, we brainstormed. We whiteboarded,
0: Cool. we decided to Borrow It. What made you want to start that? What is Borrow It? Uh, tell us a little bit about that, uh, that ideation phase of that company.
1: So I remember being on the plane from Tanzania to back to Toronto, actually. Okay. And I had a notebook... And I had no idea what I'd do next. What was my next chapter going to be? Hmm. Again, always thinking in like chapters, and
0: not I like too that. Long-term. I'm going to adapt. I'm going to adapt uh, to that.
1: Yeah, not too long term ever.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, I had a few ideas that I was writing out, and I love doing SWOT analyses. Do you ever do them?
0: No, <laughs> SWAT. they're my thing. And so,
1: I was just like swatting out. Yeah, okay. These three different ideas that I had. Um, and such a business. graph. It's funny because like, I don't think
0: I ever did a SWOT analysis in my life. Oh my God.
1: <laughs> no, they're all like, I love them. It okay. just helps rationalize different ideas. Mm-hmm. So you can easy, easily see like strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats in one little graph. Okay, cool. I so, like that. and I, uh, I sometimes look back at that notebook actually, and I look at these, um, the SWOTs for borrow. And so I had this idea, like I remember since grade 12, this platform, closet platform sharing idea, mm-hmm. but, it came back into my mind on this day on this plane back from Tanzania. And so I was sweating it on. It's like, this seems like the next step that I want to take. This seems amazing. Mm-hmm. I want to act on this idea that I've had for a while. And this seems like a good time to do it. And so I'd started making a little plan of like how I'm going to get there. So clothing rentals. Did a little bit else the market. There was one or two players in Toronto. But I thought that we could do it a little bit differently, more for peer-to-peer. The,
0: for the people that don't know, Borrow It is like, if I were to describe it, it's like Uber but for clothes in your closet. You got it. <laughs> Perfect elevator. Pitch. Which I, which is a genius idea. I love the idea.
1: Absolutely. So I thought that this would be a great thing to do next. Mm-hmm. I started aligning myself with like people and places that I thought could help elevate it. So I started attending fashion takes action. It's a group in Toronto that focuses on sustainable fashion. Mm-hmm. I started attending their events and I was actually consulting with them for a little bit that summer okay. on one of their school education programs. And through that experience, I attended their annual conference in October, which was, it brought a whole panel of people in the industry Sustainable fashion.
0: Because of you, I learned that uh, fashion is like one of the top three polluters or causes of greenhouse gases in in the world. Absolutely. And, and I did and not know that at all.
1: And it's something that we all directly influence.
0: Yeah, but most people don't right still behind, don't even know right
1: that. emissions for cars. Hmm. Like H and M, for instance, now has a conscious line. Side note, mm-hmm. it's called H and M Conscious, and like they're making a conscious effort to use supply chain uh, materials and labor to. To improve their footprint.
0: I see. Is that what is that is what causes it? The supply chain of it? Like all the waste associated with making it? Or is it the fact that people have to consistently buy the clothes because they don't last a long time?
1: Well, the second thing you said is a result of the supply chain. Hmm. If they're using quality materials, hmm. they wouldn't have to replace their Very true often, right? Interesting. Okay. And secondly, I think like the price. Like if you're buying a $5 t-shirt, you should be thinking about like who made this? that mm-hmm. they're making money off five bucks. Like your coffee should cost more than your t-shirt. Hmm. And like hmm. in this instance, it doesn't. True. So that's pretty okay. Pretty mind blowing. So through that experience at that conference, I another big personality change I wanted to like invoke going into entrepreneurship potentially was telling my idea to more people, which was scary to me. It's like it how is. do you tell people your idea when it's not really anything yet? But that's how you get feedback, develop research, and iterate. Very true. So I decided to step out of my comfort zone and tell five people that day my idea for Boro.
0: Were they close friends and They're family? Oh, never met. Ooh, that's even I had better. Told,
1: I had told some friends and family previously, but at this conference, I was like, I'm going to tell five people my idea.
0: Because if you tell your family and friends your idea, they'll probably be like, that's a good idea. Exactly. And at no should do, a do a it. But it's assessment. great to tell some strangers who don't give a shit about you, you know? Where did the confidence, confidence. come? Oh, confidence. Because you are a very confident person, yeah, being I'm able to just talk to it. people like that. Yeah, but how I'm does, not. How I'm does people How do people step out of their comfort zone in order to do something like that? You
1: know what? I think it's, easier to do it at a place where you don't know anyone.
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm. I could see can, that. Like,
1: put on this persona that no one knows.
0: Because like, I cut feel your
1: hair, put on a new shirt, and just be a new person That's Because I
0: feel like that's a big uh, issue for a lot of uh, entrepreneurs, salespeople, business people in general, is that you have to, I know some of the smartest people in my life that would not be able to do that because it's kind of like the analysis by paralysis thing and oh, they're stuck absolutely. in their head a little bit too much and they go, ah, I don't know, should I talk to that person? What if they say like it's stupid? Too. What if they don't want to talk to me? They look busy yeah. and then they get in their head and they never even get as far as that. What totally. has helped you do that? What oh, do you think? And
1: I, I still struggle with that but I think it doesn't need to be everyone. It doesn't need to be 100 people. Choose like a realistic goal. Mm-hmm. Three people even. One person today.
0: Mm-hmm. And just do it it's kind of like a skill if you practice if you do one person a day then eventually you'll be able to do 10
1: Exactly, totally true and i think it's just it's like putting yourself on the limb who cares what they say Mm -hmm. you don't know this person put on a persona like i said cut your hair put on a new shirt be a new person that day today i am sienna Hmm. and i'm going to tell this person about my idea make up a name who cares okay just get some feedback right like we've yeah, and because of that, you never, like, this is the craziest part of the story that I'm going to get to. Because I told five people that day, mm-hmm. one of them, a complete random, is who led me to Chris.
0: Come on, really? Me. Wow.
1: So she had said, oh, that's interesting. Like, we stayed connected. We found a mutual connection, In we just felt connected, right? <clears throat> At each other on Facebook. She had just graduated from Western. We'd collaborated on a few projects, and she was like, okay, there's this guy Chris that we went to Western together we're part of the same Facebook group this mm-hmm. entrepreneurship group and he has the same idea as you
0: and Amazing. what are the chances
1: that he was literally researching and starting and prototyping the idea at the exact same time that I opened up to speak to this random person
0: crazy I don't know, yes. I don't know, about, I don't know about there being a god or like a higher power I'm not sure I'm not saying that right. doesn't exist but when that kind of stuff happens it's really too
1: it hard Makes you believe in something, right? Yeah, crazy. And, and then there was also naturally like other connections that me and Chris have, mm-hmm. like being from Vaughn like our families. But the initial connection wouldn't have happened if I didn't open up and speak to this random person at the conference. Wow!
0: And what's even crazier is if I didn't ask you for uh, more information about your company and get in touch with you and Alicia at the time, right. then I would have never met Chris either. That's Thank you for correct. that. Him and I were just working out the other week talking about the latest stuff in the cannabis industry in Toronto.
1: Amazing. I'm so happy. Like, that's what I love about speaking up, going out of your comfort zone. Here's another thing to remember <coughs> for those people that are feel a little bit shy. Mm-hmm. Magic won't happen sitting at a desk or by not talking to new people. So
0: true. Get if outside. If you want magic
1: to happen, if you're okay with your status quo, fine. If you want magic to happen, you got to get outside that
0: level. <laughs> Very true. Okay. So then you got in touch with uh, Chris.
1: Yeah. I've gotten in touch with Chris, we met up a few times and um, we just decided that this was like the right time for both of us to go in this together. It's so much easier to solve a problem like with someone mm-hmm. and we're both starting at the same time. So why be competitors? Let's tackle it together.
0: Something I want to ask you actually is about building teams and uh, being, able to collab- being able to collaborate with other people. You know me, I'm a big team type of guy. I have a team around me. Um, what do you look for when partnering with somebody whether it be partnerships or working with them in some shape or form, what do you look for in a uh, business partner or a teammate?
1: Great question. And it's always like an evolving question too, as your own skills evolve. Like the natural answer to that is like someone who complements your skills. You don't want someone that's exactly the same as you. Yeah, very true. Uh, but for me personally, like me and Chris worked really well together at Boro because we brought different viewpoints to it. Hmm. Viewpoints and perspective is massive. So I came at it from a more utilitarian aspect. I was like, okay, I've rent, I've used clothing once. They're sitting in my closet. How can I solve this problem? Or as he came from it from a different perspective, just from like a sharing economy in general. Hmm. Yeah, He I didn't naturally see that. relate to the problem, but saw the issue at hand. And because he didn't wear dresses and we only focus on women at the moment, he was able to come at it with a very different perspective. Yeah, okay, cool. So I would say different experiences, perspectives is massive. I also really like to work with people who are detail-oriented because I think I'm more of like a starter and big picture person. Right. I really like to look for um, operational like logistics fanatics when partnering with someone.
0: Very true. And that is Chris. That is Chris. Chris and I met because I used to come by. You guys had a place just around the corner oh, over yeah. here. Let's and see. it was a really cool like townhouse office building. An office, yeah. And I used to come by all the time just to shoot the shit with you guys. And uh, always remember that party that you had on the rooftop, which I actually met with that guy, Frankie Moya. the musician musician, and I went to his other rooftop party just like three weeks ago. It's incredible. Yeah he's really good actually. So I met him through her at this party that they held which was uh, so dope. And then uh, and then I've just been keeping in touch and I went to another party where he was presenting live. It was good vibes. Yeah let me know
1: next time too. I will I will that's
0: good. So okay, that's cool. What do you what would be some things that you want people to look out for? Like Maybe some things that you learned, unfortunately, through doing the wrong thing when partnering with people.
1: I would say you always need a trial period with definitive hmm. start and end. Um, and it always takes working with someone to know how they truly are. You can think you know a lot about people, but until you actually work with them and say, let's give this a three-month shot. And then we'll have like a new contract or whatever it is. I think that's super important.
0: Even for new hires too, especially oh, for me, totally. people bullshit so much in an interview and you think they're great. Exactly. Mm. And then uh, six months in, you realize, hey, didn't you say that you were a really organized, detail-oriented person and they're less detail-oriented than you or whatever the case is. You know, they say they're really tech-savvy person and they're not, right? So a good trial period is important. I agree with that. All right. All right, so let's move on. Borrow it. I want to hear some of the trials and tribulations of being a first-time entrepreneur, even though you did have some entrepreneurial tenants like uh, projects before this was kind of like your baby first that you started from start yeah, to exactly. start yeah. to end. So totally. I want to hear a little bit about like the first three months and what it was like developing yourself as an entrepreneur. Some of the things that you thought that were going to happen that happened. And some of the things that just came out of left field and you did not expect to happen
1: okay. when
0: starting a business. It's
1: so cool. Reflecting on this. Yeah. The first three months were like, like always the most exciting because you're starting and I love starting things. True. Like I said, I'm, not so much an operator.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'll do it for sure. But I love starting things. Launching is amazing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and there are operations involved with launching. But I remember those first three months being so cool because it set the direction. You're setting the brand and the vibe, which is everything.
0: Mm-hmm. So I remember
1: too. one, of, exactly, one mm-hmm. of the funny things that happened was in our business specifically, it borrowed a marketplace. So you can't have customers renting or buying if you don't have supply how we wanted to differentiate from the existing competition was by having the supply being provided by the community. We didn't want to go out and buy it and be like a traditional rental company, like a tuxedo where you buy them, rent it out, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So how do we get supply and demand at the same time when you're starting from scratch? So we decided we need to build some supply first before we launch the marketplace. Okay. So we spent the first two months building that supply
0: so supply would be the people uh, supplying, the yeah, like clothes. getting the dresses on the site. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And so we had some friends and family come out. This is before the Soho days. We had another office space, yeah, which you've been to as well. I remember that. And so we had um, people come out there, like on Saturdays and Sundays, and we'd photograph them in their dresses. Like, if the cool. It's hard to really get people to donate their dresses to us—not donate, but like provide them to us for a new company that they don't know about, right? So we would provide champagne, popcorn, candy, like get them out, provide. A Photography to them for free. True, good idea. And have the dresses photographed. So we did this for four to five Sundays. um, Built our goal was 250 dresses from friends and family.
0: And and you got 250. We did. That was pretty. That's pretty good. Okay.
1: And so we launched with 250. That was like our goal.
0: How did you do that? Just through like your network,
1: friends, family, ourselves, inviting friends, and then we launched after we had like a good supply. I think about a hundred, we launched like an application type form on our website saying like, a like pre-order
0: this, like, kind of gonna, like,
1: apply with this, like still building supply. Oh, okay. So, um, they would fill out like, okay, this dress is like size 10. It's blue. So we build our supply digitally
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then, yeah. And then we launched like, um, like a landing page. Um, that was the most exciting stuff. Get like, the
0: landing page up first. Way too many people focus on uh, building out a full out website not necessary, especially in the first little while. We oh didn't God. have a website for our company for the first year. We just had a landing page.
1: Just collect the emails. Just get the vibe out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, okay, what I'm at excited. what point did you incorporate? Because a lot of people ask me as well. Oh, when should I incorporate, um, or just be a sole proprietorship? Why don't you let's first discuss the difference between the two and when yeah. did you incorporate?
1: Okay, great questions. It's it's challenging. It's a challenging decision to decide what structure to take. So the difference um, to answer that question is essentially around liability. Corporations protect you personally mm-hmm. from any liabilities.
0: So if somebody I, sues you, they can't get your money. Personally. Personally, personally. yeah.
1: Um, it's also a lot more complicated to have a corporation because a lot of more filing requirements and deadlines.
0: It's usually more expensive to do that more as well.
1: More expensive, more time-consuming. You usually need to get professionals like lawyers and accountants involved. Mm-hmm. But we decided to incorporate from the get-go. The really? Being, Was, yeah, uh, why? From day one, yeah. The reason being is, yeah, we just wanted to structure it as professionally as possible. We saw it being something that we wanted to be more than just like a small proprietorship. Uh, we had visions to grow the team. All these things are much easier to like, do share sales, eventually potentially raise capital. Um far more conducive for a corporation.
0: So for you, it was more because you knew that you were going to be either trying to raise money or you were going to take this to the next level. So you wanted to incorporate at the beginning. Yeah,
1: we saw this, like we were serious about it.
0: For a lot of my clients that ask me if they should incorporate and they're, let's say, let's say they're freelancers making like 20K a year or whatever the case is, they don't necessarily need to incorporate. But if you are a full fledged business, especially ones that are susceptible for being sued, then right. I would recommend incorporating at the beginning, even though it's more expensive.
1: Absolutely. And yeah, you're right. To the point about freelancers, like I probably wouldn't incorporate unless unless it's like unless you're making Yeah, like over hundred K or exactly, something. Yeah. Freelancers, you can still like the invoice culture is completely fine. You can get an HST number. Like you have to get an HST number actually once you bail over thirty thousand. That's an important note in the last uh, 12 months Mm -hmm. to be in the fiscal year. It's like the last 12 months. Um, And it's actually required. Yeah, it's an important note. And then you have to start putting your HST number on your invoices so that they can appropriately pay you.
0: Figure that out in advance because too many people come to me at the end of the year and they're like, oh, shit, I made $40,000 this year and I didn't charge anybody HST. That's a uh, sticky predicament to get into, so you want to avoid that.
1: Totally. I actually have like... um, For some people that I advise, on that's like quarterly reminders in my calendar, just like having them check in. Like, Mm -hmm. where are you at now? Mm -hmm. Sum it up, right? Are you going to hit thirty k this month, next month? If so,
0: most of the time, most of the time, if you're taking this seriously, you're going to be making more than thirty k, and it's better just to get an HST number from the beginning because it doesn't hurt. It's absolutely
1: true because you know what? There's actually benefits if, especially in the beginning, um, if you're incurring more expenses and you're earning an income. So if you have like an operational loss, yep. it's advisable to get an HST number because you'll get a refund on hmm. the HST in the end. Cool. So it's things you're buying anyway, like tape, cameras, like whatever it is.
0: You get um, to deduct that HST. Deduct, exactly. True.
1: If you're registered.
0: Mm-hmm. So I would recommend getting an HST number at the beginning. Okay. So something I also wanted to ask you about is partnership agreements. And did you have one? And at what point did you get one? And did it help you at all?
1: Good question. We did have one right from the beginning as well. So a shareholder agreement. Yeah. It was uh, Chris and I, 50-50. It's what did it
0: state in there? Anything about like anything that stuck out that some people should know about?
1: Um, I can I can follow up with some notes on that, but it's a standard shareholder agreement that you can find online. It's like we use a
0: template. You can, yeah, you yeah. can use templates online. I always recommend if you have a partner at all or multiple shareholders, it's important to get a shareholder agreement because – the main things inside the shareholder agreement are there, everyone sees like the social network and the arguments that people get into when they go into business with each other. That stuff is real. Uh, so I always recommend having a shareholder agreement just so that the point of the shareholder agreement is to, in the future, inevitably, when there's a disagreement, doesn't need, it doesn't need to end up in like a massive fight. Because in the partnership agreement or the shareholder agreement, it lists what happens in certain situations that might cause an argument to happen.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And it's really, it's, they're tough conversations to have for sure. Yeah, definitely. That's why a lot of people put it off. Get it over with at the beginning. Yeah. Um,
0: Because you're saying in the first three months is that like honeymoon stage of running a business, you know, when did, when would you say that that honeymoon stage ended for you?
1: That's a really good question. Was there
0: like a defining period I where it was like, that. oh, shit.
1: You know what? I think it was because there's different glorification factors that continued happening. We moved to that new showroom and that was like a new True. glorified experience. Yeah. I think like once we got comfortable in that showroom, which you've seen, it's like amazing. Um, but like once we got comfortable there, we knew that, oh, I'll speak for myself. Like I knew that honeymoon's over. We have to figure this baby out, right? It's mm. like down to hardcore business.
0: What was it that made that what that made that happen? Was it money?
1: Um, I would say, like money is definitely a factor, but more than that, it's, it's op, like how you're operating every single day. Like it became too much of a showroom where people felt they can come try things on, which is, of course they could, mm-hmm. but we were losing that aspect of how technology can help us with the business.
0: That's a great question because I actually wanted to ask you this. You didn't have any technology background, did you? No. Like going from an accounting, and even uh, Chris, formal. even Chris studied uh, just like business at school too, right? What was it like starting? Because the tech side of things and the social media side of things was pretty heavy for borrow. No.
1: The goal was the goal was it for it to be heavy, yes. And we found the showroom was kind of detracting from that. Um, but to answer your question, yeah. So Chris had Chris definitely. Led that side a bit more. He took some courses at BrainStation to help um, with the UX and stuff.
0: BrainStation is actually amazing. It's like, it's at King and Spadina, and they teach you like, like UX design, coding, how different kinds of like technology, um, uh, technology kind of trends work. And you can actually take courses to actually learn how to do the things. Absolutely. I did a couple of those it's on really like web amazing. development, and it helped me a lot. Amazing. Yeah.
1: Something that like I'm still learning on that I'd love to get more practice on is um, how to use Google Ads, how hmm. to use these tools, which I know yeah. the company that you're involved with.
0: It's true. It's ads. massive. Google Ads, Facebook Ads, how yeah. to actually make money on social media because exactly. a lot of people know how to post and like you know creep on social media, but how do you actually turn it into a money-making tool for your business?
1: Exactly. So back to your question, we use Shopify, um, mm-hmm. which I think is an amazing tool. Like some tech people wouldn't agree that you need a proprietary platform, maybe at one point. Mm-hmm. But when you're starting out before you have scale, you need to be testing and pivoting all the so time. So true, yeah. Why invest in something? We actually a, we use a WordPress site at the beginning because at the time, Shopify didn't have the rental calendar button. Hmm. It's like strictly e-commerce. But once they had an app plug in for rental, we moved over right away because for budding entrepreneurs, there's no reason why you can't test a market using a Shopify website.
0: Hmm. yeah very true because it's cheap you can edit it really easily without having to like learn how to code iterate, iterate, iterate. and that's the most important thing when you're starting off right because you have to try and prove whatever model it is that you're doing and that co- that requires a lot of testing and changing so what was it like starting a tech company not two with two non-tech founders like did you ever think at a time that maybe you should get some kind of technology per- person to join your team
1: it's- we we have we spoke about it yeah um, actually and I, I I got guidance from like some mentors on it too yeah and I remember one of my mentors saying like same thing they hired a CTO because they thought that's what you should do they had like a retail and a business background yeah and like they ended up having to let that person go because you, they prematurely brought this person on before achieving product market fit
0: hmm very true so maybe- and also sometimes they're expensive. I feel I feel like that's a really interesting thing with tech people and entrepreneurship. Is that for business people, when they get out of school or whatever in their late twenties, it's like, yeah, I can get a job for like sixty to eighty thousand dollars a year, or I could make like you know twenty 000, thirty thousand dollars a year and be an entrepreneur and try and build my own thing. Where like tech people are like, hmm, I can get this like a hundred to one hundred fifty thousand dollar job or work for twenty to thirty thousand dollars as a, as a entrepreneur. And that's a lot harder of a decision to make.
1: That's a really I've never thought about the difference, the relative difference there. Yeah. It's pretty fascinating.
0: Okay, that makes sense. And then also I want to ask about trademarks because a lot of people come to me and ask me about that as well. Uh, and I know you had an interesting experience with it. Why don't you share us a little bit about the decision-making process that goes into whether or not you should get a trademark and what that process is like.
1: So we've had the textbook example of what happens in the trademark process.
0: What's the point of getting a trademark?
1: So the point of getting a trademark is to officially protect the thing that you're trademarking. So it doesn't need to be your brand name. Um, it can be an image, your logo. We chose to trademark borrow our brand name. The purpose is to protect it. So the reason that we decided to do it is that we noticed, um, it was out of fear actually, we noticed that there was two or three boroughs spelled the same way popping up in North America hmm. around the same time that we were. But all doing different things. There's like a borough trading like for cameras like technology gear hmm. in Toronto. There was a, bor- a borough spelled a bit differently doing the same thing. So anyways, we decided that, you know, at the launch of the the expansion of the sharing economy yeah borrow for some strange reason like does it seem like that common of a name spelled b-o-r-o i didn't think so but apparently everyone else starting these companies <laughs> So so it's like we should trademark it okay so it was purely due to the fact that other players with the same name were popping up and we wanted leverage to protect ourselves and kind of cease and desist them out of the market
0: okay so what does it take to get a trademark?
1: A lawyer that is a trademark agent. Not all lawyers are certified in this uh, trademark area. Okay. Um,
0: is that expensive? expensive? That sounds expensive. It is. Yes,
1: it is expensive. So to trademark, just to submit the application with the government, it's a two thousand dollars fee, regardless of your lawyer or not. Okay. Your lawyer fees will vary depending on their. And hourly. you don't
0: even know if you're going to get the it's get not it approved. A wow. Exactly. Okay.
1: Um, I will caveat it now. It's actually a pretty timely conversation because I think June. Nineteen, like this week, someday the trademark law is actually changing extensively. It's like How a big so? deal in the trademark world. Backtracking to when we got it first use in market mm-hmm. is a term that was, or is a rule that was really big in determining if you got a trademark. And because the reason why we wanted to beat all of these other boroughs that were coming up in the market, we wanted to beat them to trademark because first use in market was a proponent of getting it approved.
0: Got it. Because got we it. Won- and were you first?
1: To our analysis, we were first. Okay. The other one still said coming soon, website landing pages to be launched. Got it. We had transactions. We Got We screenshotted it. all of this. We did our due diligence, mm-hmm. screenshotted these things, had our record of our sale. So to our knowledge, we were first use in market for borrow in Canada. Um, How the trademark laws changing this week, you don't actually need to demonstrate use in market. Which is insane.
0: So what do you need? What is the proof then that you were there first or... So
1: trademark applications are going to be increasing exponentially. People are going to be kind of trolling. They're going to be getting trademarks. If you have money, they're going to be getting trademarks for all sorts of things just to own. It's like domains. Hmm. It's going to become... Like selling trademarks is going to like the next selling domains. Because Shit.
0: I should look into it's this. It's
1: like a business app. No, it's not for expensive. that. Not yeah. for that
0: reason. I don't want to get trolled. I should yeah. look into that. Okay.
1: Just look into Proprietary brands, King Street.
0: Yeah, right. That you want to trademark absolutely mm-hmm. um, before it
1: becomes common knowledge. So, like this week, next week, look into that.
0: Duly noted.
1: And so um, that's going to be one big troll coming through soon. But basically, we're pretty close. What happened? What happened Ooh. next after the uh, the trademark thing was pretty hilarious. Um, we got so they came back. Another thing about trademarks: it cannot be phonetically similar to the word you're doing. So we got a letter from the trademark agent saying that borrow, B-O-R-O, is too phonetically similar to the act of borrowing. Hmm. So we, again, textbook scenario, but being relentless entrepreneurs, we went back. You can fight back and provide a case uh, free of charge. You have the right to do that. We proved that um, borrowing textbook definition implies no monetary exchange. Ours Hmm. is, in fact, renting. There is a monetary exchange. So we proved the trademark
0: uh, oh, interesting. Who comes up with this stuff? It was your lawyer or you?
1: This was, a, this was actually us at this point. We actually fired a trademark lawyer and like, <laughs> we've taken it on ourselves. Shit. At this point
0: because, okay. Uh, we've learned so much about it. It's pretty insane. Maybe I should go to trademark law. Maybe. Without being a lawyer. We'll, like, um, Okay. Well, stuff. if you are looking to trademark, it is a good way in order to kind of, like, put your stake in the ground. Um, and you should, I guess, unless you're Natalie Festa, get some legal Sixth advice nine. or seek out Natalie Festa to help you with that. Who knows? Oh, All right. One other thing that I want to ask about just being like more technical about being a business owner is how to take income. So a lot of people ask me, should I take dividends or should I take a salary or should I take shareholders loans? Um, which one would you recommend or can you just tell us a little bit about your experience with all those three different types?
1: Absolutely. I'll talk talk about our experience with it for sure. So shareholder loans is the best way to take back money at first up to the amount that you've invested into the corporation Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. that you can take tax-free. So for instance, let's say you invested 20K personally into the business. Before you draw salaries from that business, definitely take it back as a shareholder repayment up to that 20000 that you put in. Got it. that'll be completely so tax-free. So you don't have to pay any taxes. Because you've been paid after tax money going in, you get it back tax-free. Cool. Up until the amount that you've put in, um, I would suggest, it really depends dividend to salary, but first I would explore the dividend route. The reason being is you have up until a certain amount to take it where it's tax-advantageous. Yeah. And there's something called, um, I forget the term, but it's supposed to essentially be equal by the end of it um, once you're at a certain level.
0: Integration, integration is it? Yeah.
1: Term. You got it. I, so, I
0: know a little bit of accounting.
1: Exactly. And so, but the thing is when you take salaries at the corporate level, you need to do some pretty specific things such as allows for CPP, EI. So you have to make Which is sure, a pain in the butt. You have to make sure you have resources on hand to uh, prepare you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, explore dividends first um, until integration is achieved um it doesn't really matter you have to like see what else other income sources you have coming in
0: right true typically on the if it's your only income the first 30k is advantageous to take as dividends Dividends. but then after that integration kicks in it's like the same thing as taking a salary but you can still take a dividend which would be better because you don't have to pay like cpp or like all that kind of stuff on it absolutely great point okay yeah and how about hiring people did you ever hire some people? Should they go on payroll? Should you just pay them as contractors?
1: Yeah, great question. So we've hired contractors and we've hired interns. We've never actually taken on salaried employees. Yeah. So with that, so contractors are great for things that you just need. If you don't know if you don't know you need this person every day all day for the year, I would advise contractor for sure. Mm-hmm. or at least that trial period that we discussed always start with a contract period of like three months to begin with. That's good. That's a good tip. Yeah, Um, for sure. You want to make sure you're bringing – you don't want to be stuck to paying EI or or severance after if it doesn't work out. True. Stick to a contract, a reasonable contract that you can afford, something that you can chew easily, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, if it's just for like a period of time, I'd also seek out –
0: explore interns. Absolutely. It's like a great way. It actually is. Like the college or
1: university level boards. There's so many students – at the college level specifically that need 120 hours to graduate. Mm-hmm. They're not looking for payment for it. As long as it's, um, there's actually like a legal stipulation involved. It does need to be in exchange for like a school credit. So like as long as you can- You gotta be careful with that. Advocate for yeah. that, um, which we have, then highly recommend starting there. And we've actually then hired on as contract some of our past interns, which is really great.
0: I just want to ask you a couple more questions before we get going. Um, the la- The next one, just kind of, summarize your experience at borrow what stage did you say that you had to move on to the next chapter of your life to keep it to keep it along your chapter in your book what at what stage did you because a lot of entrepreneurs you know there's that classic picture of the guy going through the mine and he's like inches from gold but he turns around and goes the other way when does an entrepreneur have to know that it's time to call it quits and move on
1: it's a fascinating question it's like this concept of Delusion, like we called it. It's like, at what point are we delusional, or what point are we onto something? And
0: to a certain point, entrepreneurs need to be delusional. Need to
1: be. Everyone's delusional to start. Yeah. Step away from their from their job, scale back their expenses. Um, for me, when the day to day operations just weren't working, we're on this path that was leading us to a path of comfort versus innovation, Mm. and we needed to make some big, honest assessments. Um, I think the concept of scale plays in well here because something can be operating well, but is it to the point that you can scale it? And there's right. a certain analysis of output versus input. Like at some point, your output should be a lot greater than the first levels of input that you put in, right? You don't want it to always be equal. Mm-hmm. And we couldn't see that level of scale yet. Like we were continuously outputting um, and receiving the same level of input it was hard to get that input to be greater from the same level or less output, right? Hmm. So it was like really, it was really hard to scale our business specifically. It would require a great deal of investment, a whole new track record, um, a whole new thing, a whole new operational outlook, a fresh outlook, I'll say. Okay. So we were looking to bring someone on to help us with this fresh outlook. Um, someone to help with the day-to-day operations. What I really enjoyed from it was bringing like the business development in having our cleaning partner our logistics partner we use penguin pickup but the day-to-day operations like i said from the beginning is really challenging if it's not something that you want to be doing right Of course but if you want to bring someone on like in a small team it's really hard to do that so there's like operational constraints i would say as well mm-hmm. so that level of scale constraints what you actually want to be doing all of these factors played into our next phase which was like bringing on someone to help do this yeah which we're in the process of doing, which is really exciting. I see. So to answer your question, I think it's like really being honest with yourself about the problems that you want to be solving.
0: I like that. Was it a team decision between you and Chris?
1: Absolutely, yeah. I remember like one day we were in one of the co-working spaces at Breather and like we were, I think we both felt that we both knew that it was ready for like a revamp, a huge like next phase, right? Yeah. So yeah, it was definitely mutual.
0: If there was something that you wish you knew at the beginning when you started uh, that you now know, what do you think that would be? Like if you were talking to 2016 Natalie Festa, what would you tell her?
1: I would say continue to continuously seek out mentors that you think are beyond your reach. And I've had a few. There's two specifically that have come my way that have been amazing. Yeah. But surround yourself with these people that you think that are beyond your reach, and just find ways to reach out to them and continue sponging their knowledge.
0: It's so true. Those
1: those few have been like the amazing resources to get us to this point. But imagine I did that like just one more time mm-hmm. or two more times. Maybe we've been on a different path sooner or on a different trajectory. Who knows? But I think it's like really about I should have I sh- I would like to tell myself to not be. Friday and have the confidence to, yeah, I spoke to five people that day, but tomorrow I'll make it 10. Continuos, continuously soak up that information of the people around you.
0: That is amazing because recently I've been kind of mentor um, mentorless. I did not have any mentors besides, like, my parents and maybe, like, one other person. But um, it's actually something that you have to work for because how do you get a – most of the time you find a mentor because you work for them. But as an entrepreneur, you don't really have mentors unless you have, like, a board of directors. But not everyone has that, especially when they're starting out. So, like, how would you recommend people actually go about finding a mentor?
1: Such a good question.
0: Um, Like, how did you find yours?
1: The answer is offer to help relentlessly. Find something you can do to offer them. True. Help.
0: I love that.
1: Um, some, anything simple. Like, oh, I see you're running this event next week. I would love to help you mm-hmm. for free. And you have to be willing to do a little bit for free. Right. A couple hours in an event, no big deal. If you had to buy a ticket for the event, it would cost you more anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Find uh, Find the people you want to work with. Send them emails and offer to help.
0: I love that because working for free is the best way to learn stuff. Like Absolutely. I, that's, it's so true. And like true. not
1: forever. I'm not an advocate of it yeah, forever. Yeah, like we yeah. deserve to be compensated for the work that we do, but to get yourself in with a mentor of yours that seems unattainable, offer help. And it's so much easier for them to reply to your email if you're helping them with something.
0: We have a, we have a rule in the office. Yeah. It's like one of our, um, uh, principles that are, uh, that our team abides by. And, and one of them is the world works on favors, do them, and then you will receive them. Too many people ask for things first before giving, you know, and that's a, it's a big thing for me. I if you love want that. something from somebody, give them something first, you know, I absolutely a love value that. as well. Absolutely so. love that.
1: And then be sure to return the favor to someone else who seeks it from you.
0: Okay. What is the next chapter for Natalie Festa? Such
1: a loaded question. Yeah,
0: because we were just talking about it. It's, a lot of our fam- our family, friends, peers, they're all working for like these major corporations making a lot of money or making some good money, especially now in our late 20s. And something that I realized with entrepreneurs is like, I'm, the, I'm all about like nine out of 10 businesses fail, right? So, but I'm a statistics guy as well. So if you statistically do 10 businesses, one of them should succeed outstandingly. But what happens is that a lot of people will start one business. If a hundred people start one business... 80 of them will quit and go work for somebody after that one fails. Then the next one of the 20 remaining, you know, 10 of them might not make it to the third. And then only two will make it. By the time you get to the fifth startup in a row, there's only like maybe one person left. And that's why a lot of entrepreneurs fail. But it's not like I blame them for it. It is extremely hard on the psyche and your body and like your mind to fail at a startup, you know. So the temptation to go work for somebody is pretty high. What are your thoughts on that? Are you tempted by that? Do you think that maybe you'll go and start something new in the near future? What, what, what's happening next so for you? So I'm
1: both exhilarated and exhausted by your comment because it's <laughs> true. Like I know how much work it is to start something, but I love starting things. I think I'm definitely excited to still advise and be on the board for Borrow and help grow that. But day-to-day, um, I think I, I'll never lose that entrepreneurial spirit. I love creating things. I think that's really important. Whether I find a company to create that under or create something myself, right. that's something we'll see. But I'm pretty sure the next step um, will be creating something under the vision of a company that allows me to be creative and still make a difference. I just really don't want to lose that connection to like having an impact that entrepreneurship allows me to feel. Mm-hmm. But I think there's some cool companies out there that have the autonomy to allow you to create that. Impact. It's true.
0: It's true. And it's something that I think about a lot. Cause like there's a lot of great companies out there with resources and infrastructure that you can go join and be an intrapreneur, you know, um, yeah. you don't necessarily need to be an entrepreneur. And over the last six months, I tell you have been some pretty difficult months uh, like stress wise for me and the team. Um, and a year ago, if you were to ask me, I would say I'd be, like, so pro-entrepreneurship and, like, everyone should be an entrepreneur. It's so great for all these reasons. But then after the last six months mm-hmm. of late nights and not being able to necessarily eat healthy or hit the yeah. gym as much as you want to, uh, I say now entrepreneurship is not for everybody and you need to be a little bit crazy in the mind um, and you have to be willing to sacrifice a lot at the beginning in order to succeed and that's what a lot of people forget because of social media and stuff Absolutely. you know so it's and tough so like decision on
1: that note like there's this other options like the portfolio approach which in, you're aware of it's like maybe balancing some contract work or intrapreneurship work at a company with hmm. some entrepreneurial startups true sure. what do you believe like what do you think about that
0: I personally like that because you know you want to have diversified streams of income which is great and people like I believe you and I don't like to work on the same thing for too long 100%. So that's great. So, so, for a certain type of person, I actually like the idea of being like that freelancer and have multiple contracts and go from project style, to project.
1: But then the opposing argument would be the concept of focus, which I struggle with.
0: <laughs> it's true. <laughs> focus in on one thing. You can't, you know, if you're chasing two rabbits, you catch none, that type of thing. Exactly. Great.
1: So, there's that other so side, side.
0: It's tough. I believe it depends on the person. Not everyone can be an entrepreneur, but some people are born and bred to be entrepreneurs, you know? And there's that spectrum, and there's everything in the middle as well. So some people are good at multitasking. Like, how does Elon Musk create three businesses at once? Crazy. Insane.
1: Massive business. I bet you
0: he would not recommend that you do that, even him. But I believe it's possible for the certain type of person. But... When you are starting a company, even though I do a lot of things right now, I focused in on my first business for the first like little, for the first four years before I went on to the next thing, you know? So that focus is very important. Totally. All right. Last question. Mm -hmm. And it's a question I ask to everybody. Um, We live in a world where there are a lot of things around us that we take for granted. Like I would not even know how to create this dashboard sound equipment. And I just take it for granted that when I press that button, it starts. So what I've learned working with a lot of different entrepreneurs and people of different uh, like crafts, masters of different crafts, is that um, there's a lot of things out there that people know that I don't know about. So I like to ask every person at the end, if there was one thing that you know is true or you know about that other people don't like think about because they're not in it on a day-to-day basis and you wish people out there would know, what would it be? And when you answer that question, look into the camera. Whichever one Alfio wants you to look into.
1: Okay, okay. So two things are coming to my mind. It's a very specific thing and then a more general concept.
0: Shoot, sweet. Let's hear it.
1: So the first one, um, the more specific one, is specifically related to the field that I've been in. And I know that this is a thing that people don't know because Alfio was blown away by it. That the the clothing that we consume is actually extremely polluting. And as consumers, we have a conscious choice to make. Not a lot of people, lot of people realize how damaging to the environment is of the clothes that we wear. So I would say, make a conscious effort to know how your clothes are made. And it's one of the easiest things you can do for the planet.
0: Love that. Number two cause of pollution, right?
1: Exactly, after, Most- green, after uh, gasoline emissions. Crazy. So, and since I've become a more conscious consumer, it just makes me feel better knowing that these jeans are reworn or this shirt is made by someone in Canada and not for two cents in Cambodia or whatever it is. <coughs> Secondly, there is, broadly speaking, from my experience, there will always be problems. Focus on the problems you enjoy solving. The problems around you need to be solved. Don't work on the ones that aren't your strengths. There's someone who wants to work on those problems. Find the problems you like to work on solve
0: the hell out of them i love that because people are like oh what do i work on what do i do what's my passion you don't got to solve all the problems nope. in this world
1: right just the ones you want to work on love
0: That's it. it natalie fessa thank you so much for joining us today it's been a pleasure thank you um until next time this is what they did not teach you in school we'll see you next time all right thank you kindly For tuning into this week's episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at the Wise Investor. Until next time.